0: Please enjoy over 150 episodes hosted by Pat Hazel with a stable of creative guests in our listening lounge at creativityincaptivity.fun. This is Creativity in Captivity. I'm Pat Hazel. My guest today is a Grammy-winning children's music artist that has also won first place in the USA Songwriting Competition, an Independent Music Award, a Gold Parents' Choice Award, Napa Gold Award, a Family Choice Award, and is a John Lennon Songwriting Competition finalist. She has performed at such venues as Lollapalooza, the Kennedy Center, and the Lincoln Center. She creates music that helps children get in touch with their true selves. Joining me now is the engaging, empowering, and musical booster shot, Joni Leeds. spark of electricity a skipping stone that sets you free you're captive to a mystery the curse of creativity la, 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 la,
1: la, la, hello how are you
0: i'm well how are you today
1: i'm good i've already had a full day
0: oh yeah because of mothering or because of music
1: because of music i was a, a part of a rehearsal for this Broadway event happening on Saturday, so that was my morning.
0: I know that you are known for your children's music, but did you start with children's music all along, or were you playing music generally and then decided to focus on the genre?
1: I have to go back a little bit more because I was a musical theater major at Syracuse University and thought for sure I'd be doing theater, but it turns out I can't really dance. And the dancing usually comes first in the audition process. So I was a little screwed there. So I decided to (laughs) change my focus as I started writing music in college. And then as soon as I graduated from college, I went straight to New York City and started playing in all the clubs. I was playing at the Bitter End in the living room and Rockwood Music Hall and all these downtown clubs and bartending at night at the Bitter End, bartending at the Beacon Theater, like all these places just to stay afloat. And then I was exhausted. There's so much competition, especially in the early 2000s. The Chick Rock phenom it was like a big deal at the time. Michelle Branch and Vanessa Carlton and all of these incredible artists. It was really hard to break through. And so I started looking for some opportunities outside of the adult music world. We call it adult music. Nothing naughty (laughs) about it, really. And then uh, a friend of mine was like, you should work with children. So I worked at Gymboree Play and Music, and I managed the site, and I started doing these play classes with the kids. And I wasn't doing my own music there, because it's very structured and corporate. But from there, I started writing my own music, and then I left Gymboree and did my own thing.
0: I think that's what is cool about it, is that you seem to be very dialed into different things that are important for kids. There's a great deal of inspiration and empowerment, but there's also this idea of keeping them active and keep their minds hopeful. I was kind of chasing through your Spotify essential playlist and it's been a while, my kids are now 23 and 21, so can't technically call them kids anymore. But I do remember there was a turning point, Kenny Loggins, there were a few people that had a musicality that an adult could listen to in the car while a kid listened. But it wasn't that much. And then there was a little break in the action where they might be giants and bare-naked ladies and people were coming in and I was like, oh, I could listen to this. I could survive a road trip on this and not something that was itsy bitsy spidery. That's a perfectly good song. but It's the kind of thing you want to drive off the road after a half hour of it.
1: I think the thing is that young kids, they like that simple melodic It'sy bitsy spider thing when they're really little. And then just as our palettes are more sophisticated as adults, theirs are getting a little bit more sophisticated as they get older. So, two and three years old, they might be really into It'sy bitsy. And then a couple of years later, more sophisticated storylines. I came up in the I, They Might Be Giants, Laurie Berkner, Bare Naked Ladies. That's when I started writing. So, those were my influences too. And I think I started doing these clap your hands, stomp your feet type of do it songs. And then through listening to see what's out there and then being influenced by my audience, I realized, no, these kids can handle some stories and some really interesting topics and even political topics too.
0: I guess I'm not putting down the the beginning music phase, but none of those people have to drive a car. (laughs) They're happily kicking their feet in a car seat. But I am intrigued by the things, particularly your song, Band, which is inspired by children's picture books that were banned. I love in the lyric that you talk about banned books and that the solution is built right into the problem, which is that we have to band together to work against this. So let's just talk about that. I call that politics as much as I would call it, you know, it's a fight for humanity on some level and politics has weaponized it, I think. And I'm really curious about taking those stories and those ideas off the shelf, what that means to you?
1: Well, my daughter is eight. And I think living in New York City, we're exposed to everything and all different types of people from all different types of backgrounds and all religions and everything across the sun. And those are the types of books that we have in her room. And those are the types of books that we love. We love learning about other people. And I started getting interested in the banned book phenomenon because I'm from Florida, and what's going on down there with Governor Ron DeSantis. And I know you said not to make this political, but I kind of have to because there are certain groups that are heavily sponsored and financed by religious right, they are trying to keep those types of books, books about diversity, out of the hands of not just their children, but all children. So they're taking them away and creating these murky laws that prohibit teachers from having them in their libraries, and they're taking them out of the schools and even the public libraries too. So it's a problem, and that's the only reason why it is political, but the freedom of expression and the right to receive information That should be upheld throughout democracy for all political parties. And as you know, that's not always the case. So that's where the idea of freedom is the name of the album, F-R-E-A-D-O-M, Freedom to Read. Right. It's
0: got read right in the middle of freedom. I like that too. That was very clever.
1: Yeah. So that song Band, it's all about banding together and standing up for the other. And those are the lyrics that I chose and put into the song. And there's a really powerful music video that goes with it too that I'm really excited about. I've been singing that song a lot, but then the other songs on the album are actually all inspired by different children's picture books that have been banned. There's a song about a trans kid. There's a song about a a pair of moms that are raising a family and having a block party. There's a song, it's called Sing It Out is the name of my song. And it's inspired by Lift Up Every Voice and Sing, which is the Black National Anthem. And so there's a lot in there. There's even Cholent Time, which is inspired by a book called Chick Chak Shabbat, which was banned in Florida. And it's simply about making a stew. So I mean, some of these people have some pretty wild ideas as to what's quote unquote, offensive. So I just felt like all children should be represented in their, not just what they're reading, but also what they're listening to.
0: Responsible parents who want to have a dialogue with their children or want people to read or not read or discuss things whatever that restriction is, that's opens for dialogue at the dinner table and at a picnic and before you go to bed at night. And by not having the dialogue, you're somewhat just closing the door on what's going on around you in the world. Therein lies the little bit of the problem. If you choose not to celebrate a holiday a certain way or do something because of your own beliefs, then you're entitled as a family to do that. But also be prepared down the line as your children get educated and read these books. These books don't go away in the world. In fact, I think in bookstores and libraries, they often now have a banned book section. So they're celebrating. That's right. So they're getting more attention by telling people not to read them.
1: Exactly. I mean, you can read the statistics as to which types of books and how many books you're by year are being banned or restricted or censored in some way through Pan America. They executive produced the album as did a couple of other wonderful people. The statistics are pretty scary. And just because these people are trying to ban and restrict these titles doesn't mean that the people that they are written about or written by are going away. Like you mentioned, they're still there. And at some point everybody's going to, meet somebody from those marginalized communities and I think it's really a good idea for people to know that they're out there and have conversations at the dinner table as you mentioned and we certainly do.
0: Have you faced any backlash for the Freedom album or the band song at all by people who are feel like you are creating an anthem against them?
1: I have had a lot of backlash from some of the music that I have written. But the Moms of Liberty don't know about me yet, which on one hand, I'm like, that's great because I don't feel like getting death threats for this album. But also, I wish that it was out there more. So maybe they would have heard about it. But I've been involved in some incredible book banning events across the country. And there's a lot of steam and power behind the movements of protecting these books. So that's a good thing.
0: Well, I'm going to turn the page, even though this sounds like it might have a political Title Two, but your song Snowflake.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Is
0: simply about how snowflakes come into being out of clouds and so forth. But what I loved about listening to that this morning was there was, I think I learned more than I did in 10 years of science class about how a (laughs) snowflake comes. It's loaded with real facts about what a snowflake is. And I never thought about it once in my life, but I thought that it was a fun song, but it was just loaded with an education on science.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to that one. I was really proud of that because I had just seen Guys and Dolls very recently at the Kennedy Center, and I I was feeling this urge to do some sort of parody. So I thought it would be really funny to use that song from Guys and Dolls. And I was doing my research for that one. I love to do research about topics that I don't know. And as a Miami girl, I really did not know that much about snow. So I looked to so many YouTube videos and I watched so many different videos out there about snow and how it's created and all the different types of snowflakes. And this is not a political song at all. It's (laughs) literally about snow (laughs) and about emotions and feelings. And I was proud of that one.
0: It felt to me like kind of out of the schoolhouse rock catalog in that Bob DeRoe and the writers that worked on those Always did have a point about adjectives or about conjunctions or whatever it was. Exactly. And so it was musical and it was fun and it was lyrical, but it also was true. Everything in it was truthful. I'm tipping my hat to you for being a spokesman for all snowflakes.
1: The real snowflake.
0: Now, you are the CMO in your family business there, chief mommy officer with your daughter. When you were writing these songs, how much of them were you really writing? for her to be sure that she was navigating the world in a way that that you felt was going to be inspired.
1: Well, she has a lot of input on my music these days. As I mentioned, she's eight, so she has a lot of opinions. And she often asks to be on my recordings now. So she has been on a couple of recordings. I don't know if you listen to any of those. She was on that song band. She was the voice that opens up the album. And she was on a song called Decorating the Christmas Tree, which was a hip hop album from Fuch. He's an incredible activist and musician and producer. We were together, And she was rapping on that album, by the way. So she's done a lot. And I do keep her in mind when I'm writing. But I also think she's eight. So I have to keep in mind what age group I'm writing for. So is it like the two to five set? Or is it the eight to 12 set? So each song is different. And I don't ever feel like I'm in one box where like, I can only do songs for these kids or those kids, like I'm trying to make them accessible for all. And I think it's kind of like a Pixar movie where you peel back the the onion and there's the message for the grownups, the ones that the older kids will understand. And then like the children can appreciate it that are younger on a different level. So I try to make the songs like that. So there's things to unpack behind the lyrics. If you're really paying attention.
0: Yeah. That makes it more of a buffet for the family. <laughs> like exactly. everybody picks and chooses what they want more of. Now you've had nine albums and you're a Grammy award winning f- winner for all the ladies.
1: I'm actually up to 11 albums now. <laughs> the ninth one was All the Ladies. That was the one that won the Grammy in 2021. And then after that, I did the "Oyve," another Christmas album, that hip-hop Christmas album I just mentioned. And then Freedom is the 11th. And that is the most recent that just came out a
0: couple months ago. Oh, fantastic. So tell me what that moment was like winning that Grammy award, because... It's a musical step into the space program in a way.
1: I'm very proud of the album and I'm really proud that I won that Grammy that year. Unfortunately, it happened during COVID. So I was in my living room accepting the award. (laughs) Um, I didn't go to LA. I didn't walk the red carpet. I didn't get to do any of the things, but it was really exciting. Nonetheless, I did give a speech virtually and my producer of the album, Lucy Calantari, who's also an incredible incredible children's musician in her own right. And she produces now a ton. Mine was the first full length album she produced, but she was there and my best friend was there and my daughter. So it was like a little party and it was right after the very first vaccine came out. So we had all had our first shot, I believe.
0: You were a little Grammy pod together.
1: (laughs) It was my Grammy pod. Exactly. I'm like really into fashion. And I realize this is a music award, but I, I really love the whole fashion portion of it. So I had a stylist and she put me in this incredible gown and I had a photo shoot and I got a red carpet and I made a step and repeat and a couple of the publications picked up on it. So I made it as exciting as it could be during COVID.
0: It feels like you would have a formal gown on the top and pajama bottoms on the bottom if you were being truthful.
1: I was wearing slippers at one point, but nobody will ever know.
0: Yeah. Now you've done collaboration with Lisa Loeb. We've had her on the show and she was quite inspiring and such a talented singer songwriter. Tell me a little bit about your coming together. Had you been friends along the way? I know that she has a space in the children's music world as well.
1: Yes, I had been a fan of her music since the 90s, and so I'm well aware of who she was, and I knew she was doing children's music, and I listened to it when I was first getting started, and my daughter, she's like a big fan too, so how we got connected was through Lucy, my producer, and she said, yeah, she would love to sing on the song, so she's singing on the title track, All the Ladies. And it's a beautiful duet that I'm doing with her. And I was so thrilled that she said yes. And she's such a lovely human. She won a Grammy in the children's music world as well a, a couple of years before me. So it feels real good to follow in her footsteps in that way. And she's just the sweetest person.
0: American songwriter called that album infectious. And it also said that the backup vocals had an inescapable warmth. And I think that I see that throughout your music, that maybe your own nature and personality is what drives all of this. In terms of your being inspired, it seems like it's inspiration through observation. Like where is there a missing lesson?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. I'm driven by what is happening, not only in the world, but also what my daughter is now into, or if something funny happened to me, just In New York or anywhere on my travels, I I take what's happening in the world and it all comes in a really authentic, organic way. And I'm not one of those types of songwriters that just like, writes songs on the train. I was listening to some interview with Lin-Manuel Miranda and he's like, yeah, I just like wrote the whole score of Hamilton, like on the subway. I have to set aside the time. I'm really deliberate about it. Very type A, like I clear a week. with my daughter's with her dad, I'll set aside that time and I'll write a whole album and I'm really fast at writing so I can write a whole album in like a week. And I often do that where I have the ideas swirling around in my head. I know what I want to write about, but I don't really focus. And then I sit down and I don't watch any Netflix, (laughs) no Hulu, not going out. I just barely unlock my door. I just like order (laughs) delivery and write all the songs.
0: Do you primarily write alone or do you uh, collaborate with folks a lot?
1: I have written alone for the beginning of my career. And then lately I have been doing a lot of collaborations and it's so much fun because everybody has a different writing style. So I've done some collaborations where I'm literally sending voice memos back and forth to each other. What about this? What about that? And then I've done some Zoom writing. I did a a Zoom session with a, a new friend, Rachel Mason, for a song called Endless Summer which is all about the end of COVID and finally getting to go outside. And that's a real good summer bop. I've done some great collaborations with incredible children's musicians. And I have more coming up.
0: Yeah, that's good. I think it really opens up options, especially when you're brainstorming with other people that are at a high enough caliber in my business has this catchphrase that we're your humor resources department. I find That dealing with comics that have a lot of experience and have gone through things, it's like being rookie cops. You don't have to discuss all the details. You can get deep quick. And I would think in songwriting, once you have a certain respect for each other, that trust is there, you can bypass some of the basics of it and really take a risk. 100%.
1: And I don't like to get boxed into one genre either, because I really appreciate all different genres of music. I started out more of a folk rock kind of vibe. And then as I write with other people, if they're leaning more towards reggae, or they're leaning more hip hop, I just go in that direction and write in that way, like the Oy another Christmas album, that Christmas, it's a Jewish Christmas album, by the way. Mm
0: -hmm. I could tell from the title.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All of the songs on it were written by Jewish songwriters. They have the best Christmas songs, let's face it. So I worked with Fuch and he had these beats already figured out and maybe a little bit of the chorus. And so he's like, fill out the verses. And then I would take the beat and write the lyrics to the verses. And then we would come together and tweak it. And then sitting next to him in the studio and watching his magic, I mean, it was absolutely incredible. And it was really fun just getting to see the process of other artists.
0: So for you you have to escape from everything. Your creative process is woman in the cave.
1: Yes. Put me in a cave. Exactly. I barely leave my apartment. Seriously. It's crazy. I have a cabin in, in North Carolina that I go to sometimes and I've written the majority of my music there actually. And I have a beautiful view and it's very inspiring. And there's like hummingbirds outside on the porch.
0: That's going to be the location of the Joni Leeds Memorial Library or whatever it is <laughs> when you pass. That right. will be the inspired music epicenter for exactly. anybody In your genre, right.
1: I'll tell my dad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. May as well build your own memorial. Yeah, why not? I go to arts conferences, and I was in New York at the Arts Presenter Conference. I met your agent, Lauren Gardner, who has a a company called Inspiration Artists. And what a great name, essentially representing artists that inspire people through their work and their music. And I just think... In today's day and age, with all of the division and all the stuff where people are polarizing absolutely everything, inspiration is hard to find because everybody wants you to put a jersey on for their team they're fighting for.
1: It's true. Well, Lauren, she's got incredible ideas, and she's such a wonderful connector, so I'm glad that she connected the two of us and yeah, she's working with wonderful artists. I was her first and she's starting to build her roster. And I have no doubt that it's going to be a really successful career for everyone on her roster because she's just a wonderful person and she's in tune to the creativity, but the inspiration and what will inspire audiences as well.
0: Most people don't know the various parts of our business, but some of it is creation. So we talk about being alone and writing and having the discipline to complete things. You can have ideas, but to execute them is a is a whole nother heavy lift. <laughs> Even when you're good at it, you face a certain response to the blank page when you start. And it sounds to me like you do a little bit of collecting first for your ideas and your thinking so that when your time to get to doing it there's a lot to work with but after it is made we have to produce the item and then yeah. have to market it and then in the case of where lauren comes along you have to sell it to a performing arts center which means that you have to travel and then you have to put the production on and then you have to travel home there's so many more elements than just the joy of strumming the guitar
1: It's true. And you didn't even get into childcare and parenting during all that. I'm a single mom. So on top of it, I have to schedule gigs around her schedule with her dad and when I have her. And then also, if I do have her on a weekend that I get booked, I have to bring her with me and figure out how that's all going to work. And she's been on tour with me since... She was four months old and it's fun bringing her on the road, but it has its challenges too. So it's like on one hand, she feels so much FOMO when she can't be there. And then on the other hand, it's it's a lot easier when she's not. But then I miss her. All of the things that you mentioned about the production and the planning and the the travel and all of those things mixed in with just motherhood is really tough. But I was actually listening to one of your previous episodes. I was listening to Rachel Bloom who I love. I'm a huge fan of hers. And I just saw her show in New York very recently. And I think you mentioned something about being in the, the theaters when they weren't open with your kids and then running up and down the aisles of the theaters. And I was so resonating with that because that's exactly what my daughter loves to do. Like Whenever we go to a big theater and I'm about to play, but like the, the house hasn't opened yet and she's just running around. And that's going to be Saturday on Broadway. She's there for a lot of it, but Not all of it, and and that's okay. You know, it's a juggle.
0: (laughs) They also love the green room. That is like heaven for a kid because when your parent is on stage, nobody can tell you not to eat a Snickers bar or drink a Coke. Or Even if there's restrictions, the people in the green room or the Performing Arts Center people are always trying to be so gracious that they load your kids up with M&Ms.
1: It's so true. It's so true. She loves the snacks, and she's also really used to me knowing who's on stage. So she's used to going out to lunch or dinner afterwards with whoever's playing, if it's not me. So sometimes I have to explain, I think when she was four or five or something, we went to see Fleet Foxes. I don't know, Fleet Foxes, they're an incredible band. And she's like, are we having dinner with them <laughs> after the show? <laughs> There's like thousands of people in the audience. So I was like, actually, I don't know them. She's like, why? <laughs> yeah,
0: I know that feeling. We went to see Jay Leno when he came to Austin. I had done the Tonight Show a few times. Jay certainly knows who I am. I know who he is. But we were just at the courtesy waiting to say hello. And they couldn't believe that we couldn't just walk up to the front and talk to our friend. There was not an awareness of that relationship, but that is a unique situation for a kid.
1: Because I'm going to the Grammys. She's like, are you hanging out with Taylor Swift? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not hanging out with Taylor Swift this time, but no, maybe next time.
0: Yeah, you could tell her. We, we've had a rift right now. She, you know, I'm not <laughs> yeah, calling her for a while. She's mad at me. Well, I loved in the New York Times that what they said is that Joni Leeds reminds girls that they'll do fine without glass slippers and Prince Charming. And that's a really important present-day statement that women make their way in the world in every field. And I hear it in the songs, and I think it has great value.
1: The song that they were referring to is the song I wrote called Glass Ceilings. And it was inspired by an article that I read in The Guardian, either when my daughter was about to be born or she just was. And it was called Four Reasons Not to Tell Your Daughter She's Pretty. And basically it was to focus on who they are on the inside and not what they look like on the outside, because oftentimes somebody will compliment a young girl. Oh, your dress is so beautiful. Look at your hair. But with a boy, it's like, oh, look look how strong you are. Like, it's all about what they're doing and not what they're wearing or what they look like. So that's what that song is about, breaking glass ceilings and focusing on what the child brings to the table, not what's on the
0: outside. You have great empowering songs and one that empowers anybody not even just kids is the song anything which i would love at the end of this episode if you give us permission it'd be a great song to close on because i feel like most creative people sometimes hit roadblocks about what they can do and what they can't do and what my audience like but anything is an anthem to dreamers with a destiny of any kind and there's a beautiful video on your website which they can Check out. But it's it's very interesting how that sort of basic tenant that you can be anything, we need to be constantly reminded.
1: Right. I think the, the lens that I was looking through when I wrote that song was clearly that young girls can be anything because there has been along the way a lot of roadblocks for young girls and women. But really when I play it at concerts, I do explain that it's for everybody. And I ask the kids in the audience, what do you wanna be when you grow up? Of course you can change your mind, but what are you thinking now? And then oftentimes I get some really funny answers. Like now I'm getting a lot of, I wanna be a YouTube star. We all wanna be like some TikTok star. I'm like, okay. Right,
0: brand ambassador where I'm the center of attention.
1: All right. I was playing in Texas a couple weeks ago and one kid said, I wanna be a chiropractor. that was so funny like the whole audience was laughing and not at the kid it was just funny because I think he was four
0: (laughs) yeah pretty early decision there but he's probably going to be great if he gets started early
1: I bet yeah so I think it just opens up the the possibilities and that was what I was trying to do with that song
0: you know the Trout Fishing in America guys of at all? Of
1: course, yes. I, I do. love those
0: guys. They've written so many songs and then watching them at a performing arts center over the years, it is just amazing how riled up they can get a crowd, which I'm sure happens for you all the time.
1: Oh, they're funny. Yeah. I love their Big Rig song. It's so funny. There's children's music conferences so we've been at some conferences together they're lovely
0: Well if you see them say hello for me I one time I commissioned them to write a song for a play that I had written and it wasn't a musical but I wanted a vibe before the show started and I wanted a vibe when the show closed and it was a competitive play about brothers and how brothers don't really get to know each other. They're always vying for affection and attention of their parents or they're trying to one up each other. So I tasked them with coming up with a brotherly song. And I don't remember all of the details. The music was fantastic, but they had a lyric in there about, your face would look good on a milk carton. The way brothers insult each other.
1: That's funny. Because
0: they're very, very clever writers. The instrumental was something that we kept with the play every time it was done. And I had no regrets going to them to do that because they have a real good sense of musicality. But also, if you let them loose on lyrics, they'll surprise you every time.
1: It's so true. Yeah, they're so talented. And I, I just have to interject because from going back to the beginning of our conversation when you were like, Dissing the itsy bitsy spider. I'm just saying there's so many different incredible musicians out there making music for families. And I'm not talking about like Disney or the corporate one, I'm talking about independent musicians. Any different genre of music that you can think of is being created by a vast array of incredible musicians. I make Spotify playlists. So if you are out there and you want to check out some of these, Musicians, I have a ton of playlists revolving around different types of the year or different holidays or Valentine's Day or Thanksgiving. I think that a lot of people are just not aware of what's out there. And it's more than, of course, they might be giants is amazing, but there's tons, tons and tons of incredible music.
0: I remember times that my kids listened to the Beatles while doing jigsaw puzzles. And my youngest son, he called the Beatles puzzling music because Mm. he always wanted to hear that music while he was assembling other things it was very soothing to him and we had dixie chicks playing in the kitchen when we were dancing making food and certain songs bring out certain vibe for the family you're in the right place in where your voice is where your career is and you are inspiring not just future politicians and astronauts Future songwriters, future people who are going to take this music and infuse it into their own life because it does become the soundtrack of our life when we start to realize when we get inspired.
1: That's the goal. We are responsible for musically educating these children. And I'm not talking about learning theory, I'm just talking about making their way through the world and creating empathetic listeners and Children that are being raised with kindness and treating each other with kindness. And that's, I think, the goal of all musicians that I know that are making music for children. We try to parent that way, too. It's like a a step beyond parenting, but in a musical way.
0: Well, I think music has the power of emotion. And also, you can retain a message. If you tell somebody something, it's one thing. But if you want them to memorize a list and you put it to music, it does stick.
1: It's true. Well, I don't remember anything, not even my own lyrics half the time. But I will say that if it's too a tune, I have a better chance of remembering it for sure. And I used to do that with my homework as a kid. I used to put it into song form and I would remember it that way. So there's something to it for sure.
0: Okay. So maybe we're going to be looking forward to a homework album coming out of all the things <laughs> you remember from your own education.
1: We'll see. Maybe I'll have to create something for my daughter. It's getting harder. This eighth grade math, woof, that's tricky. She's going to outgrow me pretty soon, and then I will need to make those sums.
0: I want to point the needle to where they can see more. Jonieleads.com is your website, and there's lots of cool stuff there. And as you mentioned, there is your own work on Spotify, and there's these Spotify playlists that you are generously offering the world. So I would encourage folks to go there with your permission. We'll close this episode out with uh, a little bit of the song. Anything. How's that sound to you?
1: Absolutely. I just want to add one thing. I'm most visible on Instagram. So if you want to follow me there, it's at Joni Leeds. and I'm barely on any of the other things these days, but yes, please play anything. That would be so awesome for everyone to hear it.
0: Okay. And by play anything, you mean actually play anything. the song.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be an author. I
0: want to be an English teacher. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a shopkeeper. I want to be a veterinarian. I want to be a marine biologist. I want to be a singer. I want to be on Broadway. I want to be an abstract artist. I
1: want to be a scientist. Don't let anybody tell you you can't be what you're wanting to be. You will be
0: moment to subscribe and we will hold your seat for more creative conversation and a weekly spark of inspiration. Our show is produced by Sweetwood Creative in Austin, Texas with sound editing and crafty co-producing by Tucker Hazel. The original music theme was created and sung by Maya Sharp with additional production support and sanity provided by Diane Johansson, Tony Deo, and Tanner Dykstra. Please feel free to dash off a review on social media to help grow this creative community. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or visit our website at creativityincaptivity.fun. You heard that right, dot fun, as in dot was so fun. Bye for now. La, 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 la.